Hey, welcome. This is Sturdy McKee, and you are listening to the Best Business in the World podcast. We've got Matt Fitzsimmons here, and today we're going to talk about something that we we don't disagree on, but we have some very different kind of takes and nuances on kind of perspective on KPIs. So Matt wants to uh, help you make KPIs sexy. <laughs> <laughs> the impossible job, if ever there was one. Yes. <laughs> so we'll kind of see how that how that goes. But yeah, I think we have a little bit different perspectives on it. Um, but in the end, I would be real surprised if we're not kind of saying the same thing, just with a little bit different mm. uh, language. So, Isn't it funny? Yeah. With KPIs, like everyone talks about them. And, you know, they're an integral part of, of what we do as a job. I mean, you and I, we deal with customers all over the world and we have, you know, sure. what are your numbers? Um, and um uh, the, the term I n normally use rather than KPIs is, your, is, your, is the five circles. And normally uh, for most of the businesses that I deal with, we can boil them down to five, uh, five key performance indicators. And we call them the five circles because it's just more interesting than calling them KPIs uh, for no other reason. So well, no well, and, and that's, what, that's actually the terminology we use in the book too, right? You've got the five yeah. circles and then people have to prioritize what those are. That's kind of the island test, right? To... If you're out on an island, if you're vacationing, I heard this years ago and it, and it made me kind of wake up like you're you're remote. You're not in contact with your people, your business, whatever. But you get at the time it was like five to seven numbers sent to you so that, you know, your business is healthy or you need to come home. Mm. Right. Not all you get. That's the only information you get. Right. right. Like five numbers. There's no context. There's no nothing. It's just five numbers. Right. And that should be able to tell you what you need to know about the performance of the business. Well, and it's like the test, can you stay or do you need to get back right away? Mm. Right. So have things gone off the rails or do you, are you cool hanging out on the island? Right. So um, anyway, give us a rundown on what you, what your perspective is, and then I'll tell you how vehemently I disagree. <laughs> um, I suppose where I'm coming from is, um, so I deal with a, a lot of different industries, all that sort of thing, as, as you do. Um, yeah. And we use, I, I tend to use um, KPIs. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be visual for a second. So I'm just going to change my camera and and then go to my down-facing camera. And I'll just um, sort of explain it visually. Um, so KPIs to me are used for two different things, right? The first thing that they provide is data for decisions. They give you real world data about the performance of, of an aspect of your business. Each of those numbers tells you what's sort of going on. So you can make decisions from that data. Are we being as effective as what we need to with this or that or, or anything else? So the first thing they do is give you data for decisions. So, um, and, and often, often they're resourcing decisions and that sort of thing. The other thing they do is they become drivers of behavior. And what I mean by this is if we have the right KPIs, what they will do is they will incentivize and reward doing the right things and, and hopefully to some extent discourage doing the wrong things. Um, so those are the two main purposes I see, and, and, and please, um, Steady, you're welcome to sort of add some more context to this. Um, that's what that's the purpose of, and that's why we would have them. Um, 
and then there's a, a couple of things that um, that you and I might just have a, have a, have a disagreement or a, or a change of a, a difference of opinion on. Um, you can have, in my opinion, two types of, of, of KPIs. You can have predictors. And these are numbers that will tell you about something that will happen later. So, for example, if you've got a sales organization and you uh, want to find out what your cash flow is going to be like in three months' time, and you understand that you have a three-month lag between the time that some a lead comes in to you actually get to charge them. So they can predict what their income is going to be, you know, with a with a with a, a level of accuracy, maybe not a great level of accuracy, but a reasonable level of accuracy in a period of time based on their historical norms. Um, and so they become predictors. So predictors ultimately should lead to outcomes. And this is where I and I use probably a different terminology when I, when it comes to predictors and outcomes. So predictors I see as KPIs and outcomes I see as being more reportable numbers um, or, or, or key numbers. And they are the big things like you know turnover and um, and EBIT and um, gross profits and net profits and all that sort of good stuff. So ideally, as, as far as I can see, these will eventually lead to those. So what are the predictors of a, a particular outcome? Um, and, and so you want to have a nice healthy mix of the predictors and the outcomes. And I've got this really cool book. Honestly, if you're having trouble sleeping, that is the book for you. It's, it's the driest book I've probably ever read in my life. Well, well hang on a second. Hang on. Oh, the, for those listening, it's the key performance indicators, the 75 measures every manager needs to know. Seriously? Yes. Seriously. Yeah, it's pretty tragic. 75? <laughs> right. And so, Matt, Matt, I want to interrupt for just a second because we, uh, I got, was a prospective client. They ended up not working with me or we ended up not working together, but they sent me a 47 page report of KPIs that they got from their accountant and financial advisor people um, for a $2 million business. Wow. Right? And I'm like, I'm looking at it going, that is crazy. And they're like, yeah, we don't know what to do with it. I'm like, yeah, me either. Yeah. <laughs> 47 pages is two of data right? That's a mess. That's, I mean, I don't know that you're going to get that for GE, right? So what, why do you, you know, it's like, like we said, go back to the beginning, five to seven, you know, five, ideally numbers that are going to give you, you know, the health of your business, then you, then you can drill down and yeah, there's more data, there's more stuff. Sure. Right. But um, yeah, you're, you're the book though, that you're sharing is, Reminds me of my wife always talked about, you know, when she couldn't go to sleep, just read neuroanatomy, um, you know, accurate, highly detailed and start reading neuroanatomy back when she was in PT school. Right. And just like be, be asleep before, before the first page was done. Um, yeah. Anyway, the same, the same thing about this particular book is that I've, you can probably see I've got so many little notes that I've made in it because as you go through, it's just like that's really useful. <laughs> And yeah, some yeah, of the useful stuff is just not going to keep you awake at 11 no, o'clock. It's, it's really not. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's really funny because some of the things that we talk about all the time, Steady, Net Promoter Score. They talk about right. Net Promoter Score um, and some really cool stuff. Anyway, park that book because it's pretty, it's pretty dry. 
Um, but um, once you've got the five um, key performance indicators of key numbers in your business, I suppose the real question is how do you bring them alive in your business and how do you make it so that everybody feels as though they have buy-in to some sort of performance indicator in the business. And that can be easier and, and harder depending on what type of business it is and, and what department people work in. I mean, often it's really difficult for admin people if it's a cash business and they don't have things like debt days to worry about. It can be quite difficult for them to feel part of that. Uh, there are ways, but uh, some roles just have more trouble. I mean, the, the easiest example is like a sales role, right? So a sales role, you know, you can have leads, conversion rate, average sale, all that type of stuff. It's it's pretty straightforward stuff. Um, and it's pretty normal that KPIs would be part of that. But then you've got other areas of the business. You know, they've got the service or product part, uh, delivery part of the business. And you've got the admin side, you've got management side. And so some of them get a little bit more nuanced. Um, but I think five K KPIs across the business and then a couple that you have a personal buy into and you have a personal sense of responsibility for them and accountability for, for something. Um, and practically every role in the business, I think is that's where they come alive into, into a business. What do you find, mate? Well, well, give us a, before I break down kind of my perspective on this, what, what are some examples of the predictors? Okay. So um, I'll go back to my, my, my trusty bit of paper. Um, yeah. got the sales formula. Um, sales formula is probably the easiest one. So this is something I take my clients through. I'm sure, Steady, you've seen this a dozen times before, so forgive me. Um, but if you want to find out how much turnover you have in a business, so the outcome, you start off with leads. Now, I'm not saying this is the same for every business, but you go leads times conversion times average sale times frequency equals your um, sales revenue. Okay. So Perfect. the easiest way for them is to sit there and go, okay, that's cool. Um, so if, if I get 100 leads, I uh, convert 50% um, of them. That's that's 50 times an average sale of $10. Um, and they do it once. Then that's $500 worth of sales revenue. So I know that if I'm getting, if I get more than a hundred leads and hold my conversion rate at a certain percentage and my average sale, sale stays the same, I'm still going to go up a little bit. Um, um, and these are all individual things that you can go and work on. So you could go and ask yourself, okay, what's a better way of getting more leads? How could I get more leads? How could I increase my conversion rate? How could I improve my average sale? How can I get people to come back more often uh, in order to, to, to increase that sales revenue? So, so, so keep that up there. Keep that up there. So what you're saying is leads, leads ultimately are a predictor of future cash flow. Sales revenue. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. Example, yeah. Okay. So this is where our this is where the nuance comes in a little bit. So leads, I, I use different language. I, I don't say predictor and outcome. I use leading indicator and lagging indicator. Right. Okay. Same, same idea, same thing, right? But leads is a leading indicator of what your cash flow is going to be, right? And this is it's a predictor. So you're exactly what you were talking about. If I know I can if I generate more leads I, and I have a steady, you know, conversion rate process that converts, I know what my average sale is, I, I can then predict what my cash flow is going to be, you know, next month or whatever my sales cycle is, right? Yep. 
leads is a lagging indicator of your marketing activities. Mm. Okay, so so it is a predictor of future cash flow. It is a predictor of number of customers and number of sales and all that stuff. But it's a lagging indicator from your marketing activities, and that's where I want to. That's where I think some of the nuance comes in is each of the KPIs. And when we say KPI, the you know the performance indicators are an indicator of performance. The key performance indicators are those that you really really need to know. And and KPIs overused. And if there's 75 of them, I'm not sure how many of them are really key. You know, it depends on who you are, I guess, from your, your perspective, but ultimately leads generated is a result of marketing activities. And I like to say marketing activities because people go marketing and they think that, you know, there's this black box where we do ads or outsource or something else. It's activities, it's stuff you do, right? Mm-hmm. It's things that happen that get people interested enough to pick up the phone or fill out a form or respond to an email or whatever it is to, you know, engage with you and to show interest in your product. That's a lead. So leads are an outcome of marketing activities, how well you're doing that, right? What's beautiful is as you get better and better at it and you can dial in your marketing, your marketing activities, and you know which ones produce how many leads, you can then turn up the faucet, turn down, you know, you have levers to pull, you have buttons Mm -hmm. to turn to get yep. more leads. It's, and then it becomes predictable because of the process. And this is where I think um, we get into it a little bit. When you talk about drivers of behavior, it's it's also an indicator of how well they're behaving, how well, and, and by behaving in this instance, I mean performing the process. So that conversion rate, if you've got a 50, 50% conversion rate, right, you've got a process that can, that predictably converts 50% of your leads generated into paying customers, then let's say you've got five different people performing that process in your business. Okay. And this is sales. So by the way, whether whoever's picking up the phone, right? So if you're in a clinic and it's your front desk answering the phone, that's your sales function. And that's converting, right? Leads into paying customers into patients. So how good is your process? And if you're not tracking, and I, Matt, you'd be astounded, I think, maybe not, at how many healthcare practices and people I talk to do not track their leads. Oh, yeah. They don't know how many phone calls are coming in. They don't know how many fax referrals or inquiries, you know, on the internet or whatever. They don't know. So they look at new patients. Well, they, they just skipped two processes. They don't know how well their marketing activities are working and whether they're generating the right kinds of leads. They set, they don't know how well their sales process is performing or their players are performing the process. Because again, if you have those five different people doing it, they might be getting different results. You might end up with 50% overall or 80% overall, but somebody's performing at 40 or 35 and somebody else at 65 and you know on and on. So that's a real indicator of how well they're performing or uh, executing the process, mm, right? Absolutely. And, and okay. I, I, my, I, I just, I just like to say, healthcare practices are not alone. I see this all oh, the time. Yeah. Oh, they, don't, they, they don't log the number of leads they get, or the phone calls they get, or or anything. It's just that's a little bit of interest, and they become a relevant uh, person to the business when they start um, a sales process or whatever. Not when they just sort of call up with an inquiry. And it does my right. head in. <laughs> it does my head in. No, to- totally, because these are the same people going out and spending money on advertising and marketing and hiring consultants yes. and they don't know how they don't tie 
their their spend and by the way spend can be money it can be time it can be energy and effort it can be other resources so you're putting these resources out there whatever they might be finite resources without knowing what they're you know without having any kind of objective measure of what the results are mm. that's that's you know malpractice in, in some ways right yeah. so, <laughs> so again keep this up here because there's one more thing so as you go through this and you're looking at it right? You get to set targets. Like we said, those five numbers. So if my conversion rate needs to be 50% and it's suddenly tanked to 30% or 20%, I have a problem, yeah. right? Now, the I don't know what my problem is. Okay. So when you had, you know, drivers, uh, or sorry, what was the um, D for D I put down the, the top right corner of your... Oh, data for decisions? The data or data the Thank you. Okay. Don't jump to conclusions yet. Okay. So if you're getting that information, it's like the way I explain it to clients is it's like taking a blood test. Everybody's had a blood test or a lab test, right? And they get it back and you see the ranges of acceptable numbers. And then you see yours and you're just like the doctor. You're looking, oh, is everything in range? Is everything cool? If it's out of range, what I need you to understand is what it's when it's out of range that doesn't tell you what's wrong mm. okay it doesn't give you a diagnosis it tells you where to look yeah. then you've got to proceed with your differential diagnosis so the clinical people kind of get this you know the idea though anybody's seen patterns you're doing the same thing you're doing the same thing in your business you're doing the same thing with your sales cycle it doesn't matter you have two or three things that account for 80 to 90 percent of the probability of what's going wrong yeah. Right. And what, so if your conversion rate suddenly tanks, somebody is either not following the process or something changed or the, you know, something's going on. And your job is to now go and look at that and differentiate and say, OK, so uh, let's go look at the process. Let's see if everybody's doing it. If everybody's doing it consistently, maybe it's a process issue. Maybe the context changed. Maybe maybe the leads that are being generated from marketing are not quality leads or the right target customer. So, but we don't know that just by looking at the number. So that's can I give, you, I, can I give you an example of how this played yeah. out for a client of mine? Absolutely. I just want people to understand that be careful jumping to conclusions immediately based on the data. Yeah. Right? So gotta... every July, um, one of my clients, they're a house building company and they um, are very, very successful. Um, they build four or 500. Um, they, what they call, they drop a slab, which is a concrete slab, which is the foundation of a house. They drop a slab um, about 10 times a week. So they do about um, 500 houses a year, which maybe not be a, a lot for you, but for, for us in New Zealand, that's, that's, that's a pretty big firm. Um, every July, they have this really weird thing that happened, which is basically their conversion rate went through the floor and they could never figure out why. So they knew that like for, for this whole month, that the conversion rate hit the floor. And I said, well, what's causing that? So like, well, the same quality of leads and the same number of leads. The average sales the same, but the conversion rate was, was through the floor. Now, I just started working with these guys. And this was, this was when they, before they were doing sort of 500 slabs uh, a year. And um, I said, well, what happens in July every year? I mean, like it's the middle of our winter. So maybe people aren't buying houses in winter. I don't know, maybe it's something like that. No, we found out there was one sales guy who had a conversion rate of like 80% who would go on holiday for the entire month of July and go skiing. 
Um, so everybody else was 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 probably at their normal level. They just weren't measuring their own individual KPIs. They were looking at just the team KPI, and they would see that it would fall through the floor, go down to into the into the sort of late thirties, early forties, because this one guy sold a huge amount of houses, but his when he wasn't there, the conversion rate just hit the floor. Um, and it was it's it's a, it's a great example of what you were just talking about because. We knew that there was something wrong. We knew we had to look in that area, but we didn't actually know what it was. And then we identified it. it was just like, oh, of course, that makes so much sense. One guy. What happened from there, and this is where I talk about drivers of behavior, we figured out what this guy did, which was making him more successful than the other three salespeople. And we said, right, he's going to train you guys on what he does. And the, the goal is to get your individual conversion rates up in the first instance, but um, consistently above 40 and then above 50%, which, by the way, was unheard of in, in that particular industry at the time. Um, so like you say, it was a, it was the place that we needed to look. We looked there. We found this the, a skiing holiday cost us a fortune as a company. Right. right. Um, but it was so a he's, great not place to he's never allowed to take vacation again, right? Exactly. <laughs> And he now gets a summer holiday, not a winter holiday. <laughs> well, but you bring up a couple other really, really good points. Um, and the way I would express that is it's tied, the, the KPI, the particular measure, the metric that you're looking at is tied to a role and, and a process. Okay. So, uh, you know, we're talking physical therapists, right? People are signing up for a plan of care. They may, the patients may not know that, but they're coming in. The therapist explains what's wrong. The therapist then, you know, reiterates the patient's goals. Hopefully they've figured out what the patient wants to do, not what they want them to do. Um, and then they create a plan. It's much like what we do with coaching, right? Here's your diagnosis. Here's where you are today. Here's where you want to get to. This is what it's going to take, right? Here's the plan, the frequency, the duration, how long we're going to be working together and all. And then would you like me to help you with that? The thing about like, um, Here's, I'm giving everybody a huge hint here. Would you like me to help you with that as your big hairy clothes, right? You show them the plan and then that's your sales. And they say, well, yeah, but, you know, and then you have a conversation around why that's not going to work for them. You adjust it and all that stuff. The thing is that in school, and this is one of those problems, nobody's taught that in school, right? Mm -hmm. We're taught in a, you know, again, that kind of professional education system, you're taught to get the right answer. And then you tell the patient and they're supposed to go, oh, yes, of course, I will do what you say, right, with no objections, no issues. And that's not how human, you know, relationships, interactions, stuff work. It, does, it doesn't work, right? So, um, but the point of all that is that conversion rate, like in this case, visits per case, is a reflection of how well they're doing with that initial process. It's not the only thing that goes into it, but it lays the foundation for patient compliance, adherence, accountability, finishing the plan of care and getting all the way to their goals. And if you don't have that, it's going to be real hard to do all the other stuff effectively to make sure you have, you know, they get there, they've crossed the finish line. Now, to your point, I'm looking at a bunch of practices right now that don't track, they may not track it at all. If they do, they're tracking it at a global level, so they're not looking individually. And when you look individually, if you've got five people or 10 people or 50 people, and you start looking individually, you start, what, what you're hoping to see, right? What you're hoping to see is consistency. You're hoping to see a pretty tight grouping of, of numbers across the different people. Most of the time, especially in smaller businesses and well, 
I mean, in all of them, there's a pretty big spread. And that spread is costing you a ton of money. Mm. Okay. And I like what you just said, Matt, because if you don't have a process for whatever it is, you've got to you, you identify your top performers, right? The people who are getting the best result, go look at what they're doing. Because yeah. that's it, it, that that's your process, right? Yeah, the dude exactly. converting 80%. Right, record him, watch him, write down what he's doing because that's your process. And and I'm gonna give away another huge giant hint to everybody. When you're hiring, show them the process. Mm. During the interview, I got to the point where you know the new patient intake process in the clinic, right? We're interviewing for somebody at the front desk. Before we hire them, we give them the process and go, hey, this is the single most important thing you will do in your job. You're like what? Like you get you do a whole bunch of other things, right? But if you don't convert on that phone call, if you don't get that lead, that new patient, potential new patient, to actually schedule and show up, none of the other stuff you do happens. Yeah. Right? There are no patients. So right, but but hang on, this is the number one thing you do. Read through it. What do you think of it? How do you feel about doing that seven times a day every day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You remember the movie? That's the job. Well, then that ought to be their answer. Right. You remember the movie Elf? Right. When she goes, oh, so you like sugar? And he goes, you know, is there sugar and syrup? Like, yes. It's like, then yes. Right. You want (laughs) want that. You want that answer. Right. You want that enthusiastic? Well, yeah, of course. That's the job. You want the obvious. Like, yeah, exactly what you said. Right. Well, yeah, that's the job. That's what I'm signing up for. Sometimes you don't get that though. And man, I would much rather get that during the interview process than three weeks, three months, you know, six months into the job, trying to train this person, pull my hair out and they're not doing it, you know, not doing it effectively because they don't want to. It's a really good point actually, when you're thinking about it, because when you're hiring someone, if you said to them, your job is to convert a phone inquiry into a lead, which is a sale. And a lead to a sale. Yeah. Um, if that's your job, that's different than I'm answering the phones and making appointments. That's a different, it's a different mindset. It's a different scope of operation. Yes, they do some of that functional stuff, but the job is actually to, to make a sale. And if right. they if they if they approach it like that, you're probably going to get an entirely different outcome than someone who's just facilitating an interview, uh, sorry, an appointment or something like that. Well, here I'll give you another example, right? Everybody, well, Americans can relate to this. We'll see. If you watch a little league game. Right. What you're doing by by tying this number one most important process in this KPI, this outcome to their, you know, to their job and to the whole business is you're you're helping them to understand what the priorities are. Like, you know, they got 78 things to do today. Some of that stuff is going to have to wait till tomorrow. The number one thing better not. Yeah. Right. So in a little league match of the game, if you've ever watched one. You, everybody's seen a little kid with their fr- their foot firmly planted on first base. The ball comes and the ball sails four inches over their glove and, you know, goes over into the fence. And what happens? Well, the runner, you know, the runner keeps right. running, keeps yeah. advancing, right? Okay. So the kid on first base, does he or she know that the ball is more important than the base? Right. They kept their foot plant on the base. The ball should know. (laughs) Well, they should know. And if they don't, whose fault is that? Right. Coach's job. Coach's job. Yeah. 
Bingo, that's the coach. That's you, right? If you're listening to this and you're running your business, you're the coach. If your employees, number one, if you don't have clarity on what their most important, single most important thing is, I promise you they don't. If they don't have clarity, how can you expect them to succeed at a high level? Mm. Okay, now this is also the coach, right? If little Jimmy's there and he keeps letting the ball sail over his head and the coach has gone over this seven times and he still isn't doing it, it's also the coach's fault, okay? Because he's still there. Oh, right, exactly, because he's still in first base, right? <laughs> Exactly. He should have been moved to left field or whatever, but you should be playing first base. You should put somebody on first base who, who knows what their number one most important thing is and wants to do it. Okay. So do you remember the so, yeah? Sorry, mate. Um, just on the sports analogy, you've just you've triggered something in my head, which is that movie sure. Moneyball. Do you remember the movie Moneyball? Um I read it. Had, yeah, um, yeah, it was it was a fantastic story. And it was yeah. all about running the numbers. And this 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 genius, he kind of hacked the system for creating a winning team because he didn't look for superstars. He looked for guys who would just do the right numbers. So he he was actually the he looked at the the numbers that really mattered to a to a baseball team in this particular instance. And he actually worked the numbers. And outthought the outthought the game and re literally revolutionized the game. And it was all based on basically KPIs. It was the performance indicators of each player in each position. And I thought that was such a, a wonderful story because it it just said that you know the, the data really does matter and the data in businesses really does matter as well. But that's a great movie too, you know, aside yeah. from all that. Well absolutely, but it's it's a feedback loop for you. So if you're running your business and you're looking at the numbers. It's a feedback loop. But what, what I want to stress to you is that most of the numbers, as Matt said earlier, they are a result, but they're a result of a process. Mm. Okay. So number one, if you don't have a process, you need one. If you rank the outcomes and you see somebody, you know, outperforming by a factor of two, everybody else will go look at that guy or that woman and write down <laughs> what they're doing because they're doing the process that you want everybody else to do, right? and then implement those processes and get consistent performance. And I mean, that's much easier said than done. We're dealing with people, right? But one of the things that we already kind of related to you is if you show people that you're hiring the most important process and you're ensuring that they want to do it, you're so far ahead of your competition. And you know what? That's a really interesting point. And maybe we should leave it at that point because I think that you maybe have hit the nail on the head. If you want to beat your competition, it's about doing those little things that make a massive difference at the end of the day. You can practically guarantee that most of your competitors don't do this stuff. You're listening to our podcast. You've probably bought our book. You probably read a whole bunch of other books. I really hope you haven't read that, by the way. But <laughs> I really hope that. Yeah. <laughs> the KPI book, exactly. Don't do it to yourself, trust me. Um, but your competitors probably aren't doing it, which gives you this amazing ability to beat your competitors doing something that it's not a silver bullet and it's really, really simple to do. But your competitors probably aren't doing it. And it's staggering because I run into businesses all the time who aren't doing just the basics. They're not doing them well. They're not doing them at all. And, and the basics is a great place to start is to start putting some numbers around the performance and, and the outcomes of your business. 
Okay, so I want to tell one more little story because it happened just last night and it's about, well, but it's about, it's keeping with the sports and it's about the accountability piece and what you're doing or not doing. It's on that theme of bringing players on who want to be better, who want to do the process, right? So I asked, I asked Callan, my 13 year old, so, you know, how was practice? So I took him, I take him to soccer practice. They practice for an hour and a half, two hours, and then come home. He's 13. He plays NPL and whatever, whatever, right? And uh, he's changing positions. He's moving forward on the left wing, right? And I'm like, how was practice? He's like, oh, well, Coach Jose talked to me. I'm like, oh, what do you, what do you say? What happened? He's, you know, I, he told me I, I didn't lock my ankle. And he's like, he's, I said, well, is he right? He's like, yeah, I, I did. He's like, I, he started to say I forgot. And he went, I didn't forget. I just didn't do it. And, you know, and the cross was really bad. And what Coach Jose said to him was, it's the little things as you just said, Matt, it's the details that matter. Hmm. And I asked Colin, I'm like, so how the rest of practice go? He's like, oh, it went really well. You know, I scored, I crossed, I was doing, you know, I'm like, oh, so how'd you feel about the conversation? He's like, what he said to me, 13 years old, it was great. It's really good to have that accountability. Wow, 13 years old and saying that to you, that's fantastic. Right, but how many of you listening right now are going, um, hmm, like how many of your players would be like, oh, it's great to have that accountability, mm. you know? And yeah. if, if it isn't all of them or most of them, how are you going to win championships, man? Mm. Very good. See, we can make KPI sexy. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll leave you with that. And, you know, hopefully that's got your, got your head going a little bit. Reach out to us with any questions or anything. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you again really soon.